Hello, my name is Frank, and this is the What is the Campus Pastor podcast. What's up, Frank? Matt Love here. We've talked on the phone a few times. Super excited about this podcast. You should do an episode focused on being a campus pastor at a portable church. Well, thanks, Matt. This episode's for you. Today, we're interviewing Claude Thomas from Elevation Church. I I called my new friend uh, Chet to see if there was any portable churches, any, you know, churches that set up and tear down every single week in the Elevation system. And he introduced me to Claude. Claude is a campus pastor that has to set up the, ch- the campus and has to tear it down and has to build his volunteers. And uh, he talks a little bit about the structure, kind of like the future of what the intention of how Elevation does these portable sites, what does youth ministry and midweek services and all those type of questions that everyone has when it comes to these type of campuses, we talk about it. So I hope you enjoy this episode. As always, please write and review, share this podcast with a, a campus pastor, specifically share with a church, uh, with a church that has a, a campus pastor that uh, is in a portable setting. So they can get some ideas for their ministry. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later. Bye. I am here with Claude, and I am so excited because this is actually a question that um, folks who have been sending voicemails in have been wanting to hear about like, hey, this campus pastor stuff is great. But what about us mobile campus pastors? And uh, I was able to, to reach out to you, Claude. So I'm glad that you're here. Could you do me a favor for people who don't know you? Introduce yourself. Tell us about your church and your specific campus and how long have you been at your church? Yeah, Frank, thank you for having me, man. Uh, so my name is Claude Thomas. I'm the campus pastor at our Durham location of Elevation Church. So uh, we are centrally based in Charlotte, have about 20 locations. I am in the Research Triangle area. So think about your NC State, your Duke, uh, your UNC Chapel Hill. Uh, I'm in Durham, right around the Duke uh, area. And I've been in my role for about three years. So uh, we did something pretty crazy coming out of the pandemic in 2020. Uh, All of our locations opened back up as a church in October, uh, and we said, what if we decided to not officially launch a campus, but what if we opened a location and a place for people to gather? And uh, we did it. It was hard. It was rough at times, but now here we are three years after the pandemic, uh, and we have our newest location in Durham. So pretty excited about what God's been doing. That's awesome. What got you into this role? Like, Like, did you seek it out? Did you uh, did you like get into the elevation to become a campus pastor? We'd love to know like how you got into this role as the, the one of the newest campus pastors there. Yeah, so I went through our apprenticeship program called Two K Two in twenty eighteen, and I was an apprentice under Jordan Hicks, who's our Riverwalk campus pastor right now. Uh, and so I did three months with Jordan. Then they moved me up to the Triangle area. I did three months under Matthew Drew. Uh, and then of June 2018, Matthew Drew hired me at our Morrisville location to be our eKids director. Uh, so from 2018 to 2020, I did kids ministry. I was overseeing kids ministry for one of our directors. Basically, what happened was we had a campus pastor transition out of his role. Uh, Matthew Drew moved down to Greenville. I stepped into our Morrisville location as a campus pastor. But I lived in Durham. I love Durham. I always told the church if we could ever launch a campus in Durham, I want to go. I want to be the guy. I just had a burning passion for this city. Uh, And so instead of me officially taking the reins at Morrisville, we kind of transitioned over to Durham uh, and did that in October. So I wouldn't say that I came here looking specifically to be a campus pastor. I knew once I got here and once I saw what the role was that I would love to be a campus pastor. But 
I kind of like, I don't want to say like I did my time, but I was able to develop in another role in E-Kids. It's almost like overseeing a whole nother church with, you know, kids and families and attendance and VIPs and all that stuff. So I got good experience. And then once 2020 came, you know, God kind of opened up this door for me to slide on over. So can you talk a little bit more about that apprenticeship program? So yeah. is it like people who are interested in going into ministry have like the elevation has this apprenticeship program and and so you were working with campus pastors and you got moved around and then like your first official if I'm, if this is right your first official yeah. role was it with with the kids program there that's right that's right man so our apprenticeship program has evolved and changed since then we actually just launched a new version of it a couple of weeks ago but at the time the apprenticeship program was 6 months and it was got a stipend, um, but it wasn't guaranteed to end in a staff role. So there was mm-hmm. people, my classmates that went through it, some of some of them didn't get hired. Uh, so it wasn't guaranteed that you got a job, but it was for ministry experience and training at Elevation Church. So um, I did it. And then that's right. I got hired out of that as an E-Kids director. So you got, you got experience in really all of campus ministry roles, E-Kids, guest experience, production, worship. I was kind of on that like campus leadership track. Um, and then once it ended, I went into E-Kids and did that for two years. That's cool. That's cool. And like, dude, I love that you did kids ministry because I think, <laughs> I, I think, I think that, uh, I think every person who wants to go into ministry should experience either kids or student ministry because <laughs> it's, if you can handle that and do it well, Absolutely. you're experiencing the worst case scenario in terms of Absolutely. like, like kids with no, like kids who don't want to pay attention or kids that are like, you know, whatever. If you can handle that, you can handle Listen, anything in ministry. That's awesome. Absolutely. Listen, I would, I wouldn't trade it for the world. And what's funny is when I got here, I originally asked to be in youth ministry, uh, but there wasn't a place for me. So they put me in kids ministry and I'm so grateful that I did it because like you said, if you can lead and thrive and, and develop in kids ministry, think about it. You're overseeing volunteers. You're overseeing, uh, you're, you're getting the chance to lead and steward and pastor kids and families. You likely have your own budget in kids ministry. You have your own attendance that you're keeping in kids ministry. You're trying to grow that. You're trying to uh, retain first time guests. So if you can do kids ministry, honestly, I'm so glad I did it because it set me up for success. Not that being a, a campus pastor is any more important than a kids director, but it is very similar in the way that the roles operate. And so there were some there were some similarities when I moved over. I said, oh, I've done this in a certain way before in kids ministry that helped prepare me for this campus pastor role. Oh, you just nailed it. Like when I you know we talked offline, like when I got into this role as a campus pastor, I didn't have a, I didn't really have a coach. I didn't really have anyone kind of tell me what to do. And as they said, like, I didn't know there was a book for campus pastors until I think, I don't think it was written until like a year after I became a campus pastor. So I'm just making it up as I go. And you know what I did? I just like, okay, this worked in student ministry. Let me try it here. And it's amazing how, how kids ministry and student ministry gives you all the tools you need to prepare you for any kind of ministry you gotta go. But anyways, that's, yeah. that's awesome to hear that you were in kids. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. ex- okay, so explain to me you know, in this podcast, I've mostly interviewed campus pastors mm-hmm. that are in permanent locations, but you yeah. are in a mobile situation. So That's explain right. all of that. Explain your setup and teardown. What kind of building are you in? How Love long it. does it take to set up? What does that mean for you at your location? Yeah. All right. I'm going to give you the full rundown, man. So 
uh, Elevation Durham meets in the Durham Boys and Girls Club. So if you think about the Boys and Girls Club, kind of get the picture in your mind. Uh, what it is is a renovated Walmart that was turned into a Boys and Girls Club. So it's actually like ready-made for a church. It has like nine classrooms, a huge gym, which we use for the auditorium, you know, uh, a kitchen area that we use to feed our volunteers, stuff like that. Uh, but what the day looks like is uh, our earliest volunteers, so our production team, our worship team, and like our ops team, our team that kind of gets all the pipe and drape out and ready to go, they get there at 5.30 in the morning. And so then our guest experience our guest experience volunteers, our e-kids volunteers, they get there about 7.30. And then we have church at 9.30, 11.30. And then we try to be out by 2.33. And so that's what the day looks like. It's obviously a long day. It's obviously, um, you know, it's uh, labor intensive. But here's the thing that I love about mobile church. Now there's, there's a lot of things that people would say, oh, they're set up in teardown and volunteers don't want to do that. And people, you know, retention isn't that great. And there's arguments for all that stuff, but here's one thing that you can't argue. The culture that is developed from a set up in teardown campus is like no other because these volunteers have grit. They have investment, they have buy-in and most important, they have ownership. And you know why they have ownership? Because they know that I had a hand in somebody giving their life to Christ. I had a hand in a marriage being restored. I had a hand in a child learning about Jesus. Now, does that happen at a permanent location? Yes, but it hits a little bit different when you were the one physically putting the chairs out, when you were the one physically getting on the roof and covering the skylights. So, you know, the goal is to not be in a, in a mobile location forever, but I do like the idea of churches starting that way because it really builds your investment and buy-in and the culture is like, our culture is nothing is not my job. Because if I don't do it, then it's not going to get done, speaking for like a volunteer. So, you know, it's definitely you, you leave on Sundays tired. And the vision that we cast is, hey, I leave on Sundays because I poured out everything that I had for the sake of the gospel today. And somebody's life got changed, you know. You, you just said something that uh, my, my next question was going to be, do you find it challenging getting volunteers to set up and tear down each week? But you brought up into something that I've seen at my church and then I've seen a lot in church plants where there is there seems to be a group of people in the early life of a church or a campus that are very into this like set up tear down aspect of the church that sometimes unfortunately if you're not kind of discipling them and shaping them into the system that like um, they uh, they'll want to leave after the church gets a permanent location because they love the excitement of how you know, how gritty it is and how, like, you have to be a part of it. Because what you just said is so true. They feel like by physically getting there early to set up the pipe and drape or to, to be on the roof, like you said, there is an element of, like, I have a physical aspect of being a part of someone's life where uh, just handing out a bulletin on a Sunday morning doesn't have that same kind of vibe. So, I, yeah. so if you could speak in terms of, like, as a campus pastor, when you are either recruiting volunteers to be on these teams or... Um, on the on the on the before, uh, were you there on the launch of it too? Like before yep. it actually launched. Yeah. So like First. even like getting getting people to come to your campus. Explain how you did all that and how do you motivate them, you know, to get there at five thirty in the morning and things like that. Yeah. I think I think vision is the most important part because people want to be a part of something where they can see it going somewhere. And so when we whenever we are recruiting volunteers and here at Elevation, we call it E101, which is basically our volunteer onboarding class. And so in E101, I always try to tell a story and show a picture if I can. Because if I can show a story of somebody who came for the first time, they were met in the parking lot, uh, they got inside and somebody showed them to their seat, they raised their hand, somebody gave them a Bible and prayed with them. If I can show them 
uh, that story. And then now Jim, who gave his life to Christ, is now serving on our parking team. If I can show people what God did through Jim and Jim was at one time a guest, now a volunteer, people are like, I want to be a part of that life change. So to me, giving people the vision is always the most important thing, because I think like inherently most Christians know, yes, I should be giving. I should be serving. I should be coming to church. But what is going to get them up every single Sunday morning at five o'clock when they don't feel like it? It's going to be hey, today could be the day that somebody's life is going to change. And so for me, I always try to share a story and I always try to make it very practical of what you'll get to be a part of once you sign up to serve. And then in some aspects, hey, if if I'm not stepping up, that means God's going to find somebody else, you know? Um, and so there's a, I don't know if you were going to ask me this, but there's also the flip side to where people say, well, what does your retention look like? You know, if you have people serving every single week from, 5.30 or 7.30 to 2.30, how long does that last? Do people get burned out, you know? And so what, I, what I've learned is that we're in year three. We'll be celebrating three years on October 8th, which is really, really awesome. And I can say honestly that the core of our volunteer base is still with us today. And I think volunteer care is a huge part of that, more than at a permanent location. So are your volunteers being called and checked on? Are we praying for them? Are we sending them birthday and anniversary cards? Are we showing up to weddings and funerals? Like the volunteer care is what retention is because if people feel like all I'm doing is coming to work and leave and they just want me because of my service, they're not gonna stick around. But if there's vision attached to it and there's care attached to it, people will stay. And now not everyone stays. Somebody might serve for a month and like, I'm good. I'm, I can't do this, you know? And that's fine. That's fine. There's still a place for them. But at the end of the day, we want people to know that we love them more for who they are and who God called them to be more than what they could do for us. As a pastor, looking for a ministry job is hard. Every church has different processes and different timelines when you're looking to hire someone. And looking for great candidates as a church is even more difficult. You'll get dozens, if not hundreds, of resumes, and it's hard to decipher through all of them. But what if I told you that chemistry staffing is here to help you with both? Whether God is calling you to begin looking for that new ministry opportunity, or you are a church trying to hire some folks to fulfill some different positions, chemistry staffing is here to help you land at the right church or to land the right candidate that will last in your church for a long time. I really love chemistry staffing. At Practically Pastoring, we have brought chemistry staffing in to speak to our pastors, to learn how to interview better, to make better resumes, and to have good hiring practices. And I have sat on both sides of the table with chemistry staffing. I've interviewed for churches through them, and their team was really helpful, not just representing the church, but asking me pointed questions to discern if that church was even right for me. And my church has been and is currently using them to hire various positions within our church. We hired our current lead pastor through them, and we're now looking to hire a new worship pastor as well. Side note, if you are a great worship pastor and want to work in sunny Milwaukee, Wisconsin, apply and come work with me today. They're great to work with and will help your church answer the questions you need to not just get the candidates to apply to your church, but get the right person at the right role that will thrive in your context. If you want to use chemistry staffing for your candidating process or want to see if chemistry staffing is a good fit for you, go to the show notes and click on the link and set up a time to talk with them today. If you use the link in the show notes, it will help me and help this podcast. But if you click the link, you are also helping yourself and your church make the church hiring process just a little bit easier. Check out Chemistry Staffing today. Hi, everybody. This is Andrew Larson. You might know me from Practically Pastoring, which is one of the other, I don't know, dozen or so podcasts that Frank lends his voice to. If you've ever listened to our little show, you know 
that we spend a whole lot of time making fun of Frank. Not because we don't love him, but because none of us actually understand what it is that a campus pastor does. So we're glad that you're listening to this show. But I also want to encourage you to check out Practically Pastoring because one of the things we discuss time after time is the importance of not doing ministry alone. Practically Pastoring is a great place to connect with other pastors who are going through the same things you're going through, understand what day-to-day ministry life is like, and it's also a great place to make fun of Frank. We hope you'll check it out. God, that is a word and a half right there. Cause, cause, <laughs> because, like, you know, with all the documentaries about the woes of a multi-site church or big churches or whatever, one common denominator that I, he- I, I hear when I, when I watch those documentaries or hear that stuff is that these volunteers are hurt because they're burnt out because yep. they were just a, 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 a bolt in a cog of a machine and they yep. weren't really cared for. And, like, Absolutely. like retention and volunteers a hundred percent comes down to the care they receive like if, if if you if you're celebrating what you want to see repeated and they feel celebrated they're going to want to come back if you right. are showing up in their lives if you are trying to um meaningfully care for them and love them like they're going to want to work but day in and day out if they're constantly showing up and they just feel like another number as opposed to an actual person with a name then like yeah, they're gonna. They're not gonna. Ha- they're not gonna stay. At least they're not gonna stay as a volunteer. Much less maybe even stay at the campus with the church. So right, that, right. That, that's really good. Um, yeah. So you know other campus pastors at your ca- at your church. You might know some other yeah. campus pastors at other at other multi sites. Um, yeah. What do you think are the unique challenges that you're facing week to week or month to month as a mobile campus pastor compared to your peers who are at a permanent location? Yeah, I tell people like Chet Pete, man, I wish I could be like you and just come in and turn the lights on on Sunday. No. Um, but one of the, I mean, there's a variety of challenges, right? Which is why um, it takes a unique person who feels like called to be in this season because it's not for everybody, you know? One thing is um, the relationship with the venue. That's like number one, you know? So we operate out of a boys and girls club. So perfect example. Two weeks ago, the boys and girls club called and said, hey, the bathroom is the bathrooms are undergoing renovations. You can't have church on Sunday. And we're like, wait, what? Like, that's not an option. Like we, we have church. Like we just don't cancel church, you know? And so we were able to figure it out and we ultimately ended up having church, but it's stuff like that to where the venue is in control. And yes, there's a contract and yes, there's agreements, but at a certain point, you're kind of always like, Hey, I want to, are we good? Like they could call something could go wrong out of our control. What if there's a, what if a pipe breaks or what if there's a flood or what if the lights go out? So you're kind of always up against those things. That's one I'll give you, which is important to build good venue relationships. Uh, really, really important for a non-perm, non-permanent campus. Um, the second uh, that I was going to say is some people, which is funny, some people just don't want to go to a church that doesn't have their own building. For whatever reason, that's just a unique situation that I've seen. I've read some Google reviews even at our campus. I've talked to people. How long are you guys going to be here? That's always the first thing. Uh, you guys are going to have a building of your own. And I'm like, 
there's great ministry happening here. Like that will come at some point, but let's focus on what God is doing. So for some people, and maybe some people that grew up in traditional churches where the church had a building and there was a, a Wednesday night prayer service and a Tuesday night Bible study, and there's nothing wrong with those things, but some people come with preconceived notions like, oh, this isn't a real church if you don't have your building. So kind of combating some of those mindsets are some unique challenges that we come across of being a set up and tear down campus. It's actually, it's a good question. So at your campus, um, it, so kids ministry is on Sunday mornings, uh, corresponding with the service. Is there yep. a student ministry at your campus? Yep. So student ministry it, happens every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. Where, where do they meet? At the Boys and Girls Club. Oh, at, so they, they, they're in a mobile setting too at the, at the Boys and Girls Club. Yeah. And so this uh -huh. goes back to our venue relationship because we're three years old and this is the first year that we've ever had youth meeting in the building during the week. And so kind of going back to that, it took us two years to kind of build a good relationship to say, hey, could we meet in some of the classrooms on Wednesday night and we'll put it back and we'll make sure it's good to go for the Boys and Girls Club on Thursday. But that didn't happen until year three, you know? So that's another unique challenge. Like you got a permanent facility. It's the goal only because you can do more ministry there. You don't have to rent a venue to do youth night or e-group night or, you know, men's women's ministry or women's ministry. When you're at a non-permanent, you kind of have to map these things out and hope that the venue is willing and available to accommodate you. And so we've built good relationships. And this year, actually, a couple months ago, maybe a couple weeks ago, we launched our student ministry on Wednesdays. And that's important for me to have it at the building because people know, oh, this is my church that I go to on Sunday and my kids go here on Wednesday. We keep it super congruent. But that's all a byproduct of like us stewarding this relationship well. That's awesome. Uh, real simple. What do you love about being a campus pastor? Whether specifically in the mobile context or just big picture, you in the role as a campus pastor, what do you love about it? Yeah, I just love I just love being able to shepherd people, man. It sounds it sounds cliche, but that's what I am. I'm a shepherd and you know, um, I love being able to pray for people. I love being able to look around the lobby and say, I know what that person's going through. I've walked through this with that person. And then not just that, getting the reports on the back end, hey, I ended up getting married or I got pregnant or my mom is feeling a lot better or someone that was like against uh, set up and tear down is now serving in a team leader. Like I like just being able to walk, walk with people through their journey and to see their progression. And uh, I love it, man. I love having a front row seat to what God is doing in people's life. That's great. Um, what is something you wish you had known before you entered into this role? <laughs> I think one thing I wish I would have known, and there's no way to do it, and you probably know this, but there's no way to understand until you do it, the weight of being a campus pastor, that invisible weight of being a campus pastor. So it's not necessarily more physical work as a campus pastor, but just the sheer weight, knowing that this doesn't all fall on me, but I am responsible for it, you know? And those weighty conversations, those not so fun conversations that you have with people that um, the weight of when something goes wrong, uh, the weight of we're having a big Sunday, are people going to even come? The weight of what it takes on the toll it takes on your marriage or your family. Like there's no way to know that until you step into it for the first time. So I wish I just would have known, hey, you're going to feel this unbearable weight just so you know, don't be shocked by it. And maybe here's some things that you can do to kind of prepare for it. Mm. Um, can I ask a one logistics question? If we can't yeah. talk about it, I can cut it out. 
Um, wow. wh what is the pathway to a permanent location? Like, is there any kind of yeah. like internal metrics at Elevation right. that you're like, okay, if giving's at this number, this this size, that we can talk about it, or is there like already talks about a location and this is what we we're just waiting? Like, how how does that work when 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 you're at this at Elevation for your campus? Love it, man. Great, great question. So if you would have accessed before 2020, it would have been very, uh, you know, metric, metric driven. Hey, what does attendance look like? What does given look like? What does engagement look like as far as serving and groups and all that type of stuff? Now, I would say we are mostly leaning toward the sides of opportunity. You know, when a good opportunity comes, we're going to step into it. So, for example, our Winston-Salem location, uh, they were meeting in a YWCA, which is like the same thing as a YMCA. Uh, the YWCA went bankrupt uh, and they said, hey, we want to stay in business. Can we sell to you? You take ownership of the facility and we rent it back from you. That's like a no brainer. So we'll buy it from you and then you get to stay in business. We'll continue the relationship and you just pay us rent, which is a very small amount so that you can continue to operate. And so now we have a permanent location in Winston-Salem. And so that's the model that we're going going towards now. I know that you know, we'll not always be able to find like an old YWCA or something like that. Sometimes we'll have to build from the ground up, but I think it's wise in this season. Like, hey, we're going to wait for good opportunity to show itself. And when it comes, we'll jump on it, which is why it's important for people to give faithfully, because when opportunity presents itself, you got to be ready to jump on it. That's really good. That's really cool. Um, hey, uh, this is it's been awesome to talk to you, Claude. Is there if someone's listening to this? Because I know there are some mobile campus pastors who've been listening to this podcast, and they're like, "Hey, I, I have to reach out to you and talk to you. I have more questions. How can they get a hold of you?" Yeah, that's right. You can hit me up. Uh, you can email me Claude.Thomas at elevationchurch.org. Uh, my information is on the Elevation Church website or on Instagram at ct15. Love it. Love it. Thanks, man. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, God bless you for what you're doing in a mobile setting, man. Uh, waking up that early and staying that long on a Sunday morning, it feels like you have 17 services. We only have two. So <laughs> I feel it. Like, bro, God bless you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, man, for having me.